You're listening to the Colorado Springs Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Chris Lopez here. I want to welcome you to our Southern Colorado Real Estate Investing Guide for the summer of 2023. So we're going to dive into trends, deals, and the stuff you need to know about the Pueblo market and the Colorado Springs market. Uh, We have investors doing deals down there, and we're going to talk about them. And so I'm very happy to Announce my co-host on here, Jenny Bayless, who a lot of you know from working with Envision Advisors, co-hosting the Color Springs Investing Podcast. How are you, Jenny? I'm doing great. How about you, Chris? Doing very good. And, uh, you know, for those that don't know you, Jenny, mm-hmm. uh, you've been investing in the Springs, I think, since 2014? 16. 2016. Mm-hmm. And that's where the vast majority of your portfolio is. You've done some out-of-state stuff that worked out well and have just <laughs> totally focused on Springs, Mm -hmm. recently started doing some deals in Pueblo. So this is what I like to do is always like to bring in experts in the sub-markets. And Jenny is an investor herself with over over 10 rental properties that she self-manages some. She's an amazing agent down there. And she also works with Leah on our team to help investors do a lot of deals. So we're very fortunate having the studio, Jenny. Welcome. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I'm excited to be here and kind of just get everyone caught up to date with what we're seeing in the market for, for those two sub-markets. So. Yes, and we're gonna start diving the stuff. If you guys have questions, type them in the chat box. We will be answering the questions on there. And so feel free to uh, put your questions on there. All right, so for the agenda, Jenny, what are we covering today? All right, so we're gonna just go into a couple of investment concepts refreshers. We're not really gonna dive into that or the financing methods, other than kind of highlighting what we're seeing people using down in the Springs and Pueblo. Um, But we did wanna give a little glossary for people to kind of go back and and focus on things that they wanna learn more about. Um, And then we're gonna go into the actual market overviews of the two submarkets, Colorado Springs and Pueblo. And then we're going to go into the strategies that Envision clients are actually doing. So these are real deals that our clients have done, and we're going to go over the details on them. So showing people what in today's you know market, constantly changing, um, still high price, high interest, all that good stuff. We're still seeing deals. Yes. Yeah. And that, I mean, this is this is what everyone knows. Hey, what's the market doing? And are there still good deals out there? Yep. So we'll go on the data and show you some deals that have been purchased in the last, what, 90 days or so? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So real-time stuff, people, as far as real-time for real estate can get. <laughs> so, yeah, here's the lingo. Just use this as a glossary for yourselves. But, um, you know, some of these terms are going to be used throughout this this uh, episode. So go ahead and, and refer back to it if you're fuzzy on any of them. And then, again... Our um, analyses focus on the four returns of real estate. So we're going to talk about appreciation, cash flow, debt pay down, and tax benefits to it in you know, very high-level terms. But um, we like to have a holistic approach uh, for, for all of our investment properties. Yeah, and if anyone out there is not familiar with the four returns on there, let us know. We have some great detailed information out there that goes into the, the breakdown of those four because a lot of people are, are very familiar with very familiar with cash flow, mm-hmm. but that is just you know one piece of the puzzle. And as terms of like long-term wealth creation, it is not the most important piece a lot Absolutely. of times when you're buying the property. Yeah. I mean, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. I can't remember who, but I was saying- We have this conversation a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just kind of highlighting that I've made way more, I guess, 
paper money via equity than I have cash flow throughout my entire portfolio and, and investing career. So I'm sure you're probably the same way on that. I'm the same way. Yeah. It's also kind of the reality of, of the market we're in mm-hmm. is that, I mean, some markets have no appreciation and cash flow. And, you know, fortunately out here for many years, we've had cash flow and appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially down in Pueblo, we're still seeing pretty oh. strong cash flow, <laughs> which is amazing at 7% plus interest rate. Yeah, exactly. So I think the first part, you know, before we dive into the actual analyses themselves, I think it's important to kind of discuss some of our inputs that we consider when we're running, you know, um, uh, our analyses on the properties. So we need to talk about vacancy. You know, that's going to be the the point in time in which, um, you know, your, your properties has a turnover or, or no one living in it and paying rent, basically. So, you know, we use 5%. I, I've personally seen less than that in, in Colorado Springs. We're seeing that um, be a little bit more right now based on some discussions with uh, property managers down in Pueblo. So I would maybe run that maybe today because we're in late summer, maybe about 8% on that. For like for seasonality, but for the year, would you still keep it at 5%? I think 5% could be pretty good for the spring. Um, but we're seeing our, our PMs tell us informally, like, yeah, we're seeing um, that vacancy rate tick up a little bit. Okay. So probably due to school, like we, like we normally see. Property management, we just use a flat 10%. You might be able to negotiate better, um, but let's just use 10% just uh, to, to hit the average there. And then repairs and reserves. So this is, um, you know, everyone has their own opinion as to how this should be handled. Like you need to at least put this amount um, that we have in here as a guideline. So, you know, condo and townhome, 5%. Um, typically the HOA handles a lot of the exterior items, maintenance, grass, you know, that sort of thing for condos and townhomes. So it's a little bit lower, but detached homes and multifamilies, I think you at least need eight to 10% um, for, for these types of properties, because as a landlord, you're just more, you're responsible for more things. Um, If you feel better bumping that up a little bit, go ahead. Um, You know, whatever makes you feel comfortable, but just don't make a deal work and put zero um, for these inputs. Um, That's kind of, you know, what we want to highlight there. And then insurance, um, check with your insurance agent, but these are typically the the ranges that we've been seeing um, for both markets. Uh, basically condo and townhome, those are going up quite a bit, uh, about 800 to $1,500 a, um, a year for that. Detached homes, about 15 to 2,000. And then multifamily, um, yeah, those those have exploded in my in my uh, uh, observations. Like yeah. In the last year? Yeah, yeah, I was at 2,000 for both my multifamilies last year, and now they've bumped up to about 3,500. Yeah, so so there's really hmm. not an economies of scale when it comes to insurance um, <laughs> at this point in time, so. No, but we're seeing, I mean, insurance all across the board. Yeah. I mean, Colorado, Florida, wherever it's bumping up. Just, yeah. just be glad you're not in the mountains right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're going up way more. Yeah, so whatever you thought you were gonna get, um, yeah, just add, add, <clears throat> add some to it. Um, and then taxes. You know, the best way to do this is go to the public records, your assessor for that county, and look up what next year's taxes are going to be because they've all gone up. Yeah, they've all gone up. And do do not trust what's in the MLS data, I would say, because a lot of people are still listing last year's taxes, either on purpose or inadvertently. Yep. Uh, But I agree. Go go to the assessor's website and see for yourself. Yep. 
Okay, so some financing methods. Again, this is kind of basically a little glossary um, of some of the financing methods that we've been seeing. Um, I'm excited to kind of talk about some of the less frequently used over the last several years. So DSCR is one. We're going to uh, do an actual case study that that uses that type of loan. Um, we typically saw conventional over the last several years just because the, the rates were so low, but we are going to, um, you know, see one property that has that. And then, of course, an owner-occupied um, property as well. So real estate investment strategies. We've seen a big shift that long-term rental for Colorado Springs, unless you put a large amount down. Like what, 35, 40%? Mm -hmm, you're not going to cash flow. Um, just if you're financing, of course. So we've seen a lot of investors from both Denver and Colorado Springs look to Pueblo as a LTR market, which including myself, because that, you know, that is my strategy. I'm a long-term rental investor. So Does he have two rentals in Pueblo now? I have one. One, okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we buy again, it will be down in Pueblo because that's the strategy that I enjoy and I, and I know. Um, so, you know, just kind of keep that in mind if you are a long-term rental investor to really put that on your radar as a possibility. I think it's a very good option. Um, Short-term rental, that's pretty much a no-go in Pueblo for most cases. There are a few exceptions. Colorado Springs, it's very, very difficult to uh, have a non-owner-occupied short-term rental. So, you know, we, we kind of suggest people, um, you know, maybe look elsewhere uh, or, you know, to a different strategy, or they want to move to a more friendly uh, locations, such as like Woodland Park. Um, Leah has helped a, a couple of people buy um, STRs in, in Woodland Park. So that is a, a less restrictive option for people. And you guys may see on the internet or from old content from us, like I think it was about two years ago, maybe three years ago, the short-term rental laws changed in Colorado Springs where it used to be like incredibly yeah. friendly. <laughs> um, and then the rules changed where now it's incredibly difficult. Yes, it's very, very restrictive. Um, and then medium-term rentals, that's something that we have been seeing um, a lot, uh, you know, as, as people that are interested in the short-term rental strategy, but understand that it's very restrictive um, you know, uh, situation in Colorado Springs. So a lot of people have looked to medium term rental and you're going to see a cash flow between, you know, long term rental and a short term rental. This it's medium. So <laughs> kind of kind of medium with the profit, too. Um, so, you know, that is an option. Just make sure, you know, that you're that you're following all the rules with whatever jurisdictions over you, HOA, city, you know, all that stuff. And a couple of comments in here. So Sarah just chimed in saying she just started her first medium-term rental. Love it over the short-term rental market uh, to overcome city regs. Congrats, Sarah. Is listen to what market that is. We are curious. And she also posted, uh, she said she believes Woodland Park just added new mm. restrictions to short-term rentals. Okay. Yeah, um, I guess I got to catch up on and that. And again, then. same yeah. thing. Like, we're, whatever we tell you here, like, whether it's about, you know, taxes or insurance or short-term regulations, we are not the authority. Yeah. <laughs> we're not your your CPA. We're not the short-term expert, short-term rental expert in every market. Always double check mm -hmm. as part of your due diligence yep. for any market and any jurisdiction you're in. Yep. Uh, we'll give you the best advice we know, uh, but things change. Yeah. Oh yeah, and Sarah said she's in Springs for MTR. Awesome, oh, cool. Sarah. Yeah, very cool. Um, and then uh, room by room, uh, that has been the the best option for people, in my opinion, that want cash flow 
want Colorado Springs and don't mind management. So if you kind of fit into all three of those, that is a fantastic option. And we're mm. going to go into a house hack room by room rental in one of the examples. And that's what we're seeing. That's just the reality of as, as prices have gone up mm-hmm. and then stayed up and interest rates have whatever, you know, tripled. <laughs> um, like it's just made cash flow harder. So you have to put more money down, mm-hmm. shift from Springs to Pueblo or move to a more creative strategy like a room by room or a medium term rental market out there. So again, our we view our role as to say, hey, we cannot change the market. And oh my gosh, uh, Jen and I both wish we had a magic wand to like change the market, but mm-hmm. we unfortunately don't. Uh, we are just reporting what we see works in the market so you guys can make the right decisions. Yeah. So question from Susan Jenny, she goes, curious why short-term rentals uh, are pretty much a no-go in Pueblo. So same same idea with the restrictions aspect, but we have also found, I don't know, zero managers down there. So unless... Really? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, unless... Well, yeah, I would say, you know, there are some, but um, after calling them, I I don't know. I wasn't super, uh, um, you know, uh, enthusiastic about it. So, so is it yeah. that you said the regulations are pretty tough? Very too? tough. Yeah, okay. yeah. So if anyone knows any great management companies that could then open the door for Denver and Colorado Springs investors to consider and would have knowledge over the the regulations and whatnot down there, let us know. So, <laughs> great question, Susan. Yeah. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, keep the questions and comments coming. Yeah. We we love it. So then house hacking, tried and true, uh, still works in Colorado Springs. So that's pretty much all I have to say on that. Um, You know, please, please let us know if you're interested in this concept. I think it's a fantastic strategy. What is house hacking? House hacking is a a myriad of options of using the house that you live in to generate income to either subsidize or, you know, totally cover your housing expense. And then sometimes you turn it into a nomad, which is then when you move out of the house, live somewhere else, and then you've turned that into a rental property. So we'll kind of dive into that um, specifically with, or with a specific example with um, one of our uh, deals that we have. But I mean, there's just a ton of different optionality for this. So and it, just, it, it works so well because, I mean, you're putting down 5%. Mm-hmm. You get a better interest rate. So for anyone out there that can live in a property for a year and then, you know, move out, uh, it's an amazing strategy to get some great deals and also just like you get great leverage with very little capital outlay. Mm-hmm. And for those um, STR loving people, there's typically less restriction on an owner-occupied home for STRs. So, so while you're living there, while you're living there, but once when you, move, you out, move out, you have to figure out a different option for that. But, um, you know, some people live there a long time. Oh yeah. Yeah. So then they save up their money for the next house and kind of go from there. So yeah, definitely, um, reach out to us. If you want a consultation, we can, you know, uh, devise a, a, an investment plan for you, um, do property llama analysis for your portfolio. Yeah. Like there's, you know, just giving feedback and thought points for people. And then people, you know, tend to marinate on it and come back and be like, yeah, you know, we heard this option, but I think that this actually works better for me. And, and it's kind of just a give and take. And I think it, it helps a lot of people. So, yeah. And I would encourage anyone who has interest, uh, any high level interest in investing, you know, Springs or Pueblo, reach out to us, go to the website, scan the QR code and do the consultation. Like, we we definitely take a consultative approach to helping our clients and you know we're investors ourselves we're you know we're dealing with tenants we're 
place your own capital. So we're in the trenches with you out there. And whether you're a brand new investor uh, or have a first property or a portfolio of 10 properties, uh, we have some services that can help you analyze, hey, you're a new investor, what's your strategy? Oh, you have 10 properties? Let, let's load those into Property Llama, which is our software that helps you analyze your portfolio and also see what potential opportunities and play around some fun. Oh, what if I sold this and did this scenarios to help you guys do some high-level modeling? So if you have any interest, please don't hesitate to reach out. So let's go into the actual markets that we're going to discuss. So I would say Pueblo is the most... Um, mysterious of the two markets that a lot of people will come and they'll just say, I've never been to Pueblo. I've heard about it. I don't know anything about it. What's going on there? So just kind of wanted to shine a light on it um, and just kind of give people like, you know, basic over understanding of, of the market itself. But we really recommend that you just, if you're Colorado based, to just spend the day and go down there and get lunch, um, you know, around the Riverwalk. I was telling Chris earlier that now they have a food market down there, so it's getting pretty trendy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's just, you know, I, I really suggest that you spend that day and really kind of just see what the city has because yeah. it's a legitimate city. I, oh, yeah. yeah well, yeah. funny story. I think it was, what, five years ago, six years. It had to be 2018, I like think summer 2018. Okay. Yeah, five years ago, because yeah, yeah, it was right before Charles stepped away. So five years ago, uh, ICOR, a local uh, real estate investing association, got a big 50-person <laughs> charter bus tour for people in Denver and Springs yeah. to go spend the day to like see the city. I think we walked like six properties. Yeah. And that was the first time you and I met, Jenny. Yep, that was um, our meeting point. <laughs> yeah. So like, I agree with Jenny. Like, go go check it out. Um, and if you want more details on Pueblo, uh, if you're listening to this, check the show notes or definitely ping Jenny or Leah. They do a great job on the Southern Colorado Real Estate Investing Podcast, you know, talking about the market and kind of giving some audio tools tours of the market and some what's going on down there. Mm -hmm. And if you have enough interest, maybe we can just go do a happy hour down there one day as well, or kind yeah. of do a more informal tour as well. So yeah, drop in the comments for more details on there. And we can follow up with uh, specific information on Pueblo and or Springs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and just kind of add on that. I know, well, you might have to fill in the blanks for the Fort Collins, you know, Northern Colorado piece of it. But, you know, the way that we kind of see it is a spectrum along I-25. Like, you know, Pueblo, you're going to get more cash flow, a little less appreciation. Springs, somewhere in the middle. And then the opposite up for Denver. So it's just kind of like, it's nice because you can figure out what your goals are and yep. you can kind of pick your market based on on that as well. So um, just to kind of go over some some of the uh, real estate trends that we've been seeing is that, yeah, Pueblo is kind of holding steady. And that's kind of what we've been seeing with this market in particular, just that, you know, from uh, from Q1 of 2023 versus 2022, they're up about 4% which is actually better than Colorado Springs. I was just about to say yeah. that is better than I expected. Yeah, yeah. So they're just holding steady. And I think as an investor, like, yes, appreciation's great, but I mean, great appreciation's great, but, it, it, you know, <laughs> also just like a slow and steady property is good too, if I can get some cash flow out of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, you, you build wealth over five, 10, yeah, 15 years, years over yeah. five months. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, like while my Colorado Springs properties have taken off in value, it's like, yeah, this is still a really good option. Um, you know, I'll take 4% a year. That's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Especially, <laughs> I mean, especially the last year. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, just kind of wanted to highlight that a little bit and just 
yeah, Pueblo has kind of done a great turnaround over the last couple of years. So Carrie posted a comment here saying uh, she has an off-market duplex in Pueblo and looking for places to market it with tenants in place. Carrie, do me a huge favor. Don't email it to me, but email it to Jenny. Yep. Jenny at EnvisionREA.com. And maybe, can you type in your email into the uh, comments, Jules? Thanks. Uh, and she can help, you know, take a look at it. We got a bunch of clients looking. Yeah. We also have a, a fairly big email distribution list, too, that we can blast that to as well. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's a good deal. We want to see it and we want to put a deal together with Absolutely, you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I kind of look at uh, some different things when I'm evaluating a market to invest in. I did the same thing. Five years, uh, I don't know, what was it, six, seven years ago now that I started investing in Colorado Springs when everyone told me I was weird for doing that. I'm like, well, you know, I think it, looking at the same thing, I think makes sense. So um, I always like to look at how affordable are the rents in a certain market. Also comparing it to is the population actually growing? So kind of skipping to the punchline, the easy one to talk about is, is the population growing in Pueblo? Yes. Um, so between Colorado Springs and Pueblo, you know, from the year 2000 to 2021, Colorado Springs like basically increased by about almost 50%. That's crazy. That's that's very, very high. So about what, 550 five, yeah. to about 760? Yeah. So, but then, you know, Pueblo... It only increased by 30,000 people. So from 141,000 people to about 170,000, 170,000 people. That's not an explosive growth, growth, but it is good. You know, I think that that is growing. That's what I'm looking for in a market is that it's on the upward trajectory. So as long as it keeps growing steadily, um, you know, I think that that's something to say. And then. Also, the fact that Colorado Springs is growing so fast, we're kind of running out of houses for people. Pueblo is a very good option for Colorado Springs commuters as well, especially if you work on the south side of the city. It's, you know, 40 minute drive from the north part of Pueblo. So well, I think with, you know, obviously the COVID shift and all and prices gone, I think it's been, you know, hey, more people in Denver with jobs in Denver moved to Springs mm -hmm. and more people with jobs in Springs have moved to Pueblo, yeah. right? Like yeah. you've seen more migration because you can get a, a lot of times a, a better quality life and a better home yeah. or, or, you know, a home for less, less cost. Yeah. Something, you know, you and I are familiar with having, you know, been in the DC area, seeing how it kind of pushes down South. It's very reminiscent to me. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's a good trend right there. Um, and then also how affordable are the rents in Pueblo? So I like to look at kind of the rent growth, but then also how people that live there are able to keep up with the rent growth. So median rents um, just from, you know, 2015 to 2022, Colorado Springs, it went from, um, you know, a two bedroom home, $924 a month in rent there to last September, it was uh, 1456. And then when we see on the next page, it's about 16 something um, there for this year, which is wild to me. Pueblo went from six fifty three to about eleven seventy four in in twenty. Wow, it almost doubled, huh? Mm hmm. I did not know the rent growth was that big. Yeah, yeah. So um, people are always shocked. So I have a three bedroom, two bath, two and a half bath uh, home in Pueblo. I'm getting fifteen hundred dollars a month in rent, and it was rented before it was even listed. Yeah, you had a lot of demand for that. Yeah, so it was very nice house, fifteen hundred dollars a month for a three bedroom, which. I think that's really good. Yeah. Um, 
So Pueblo, yeah, like like we mentioned. So compare it to the monthly income of the average you know, person in that city. So for Colorado Springs, we see from 2015 to 2020, the rental percentage to monthly income go from about 24.7% to 27.54%. Whereas in Pueblo, it went from 22% to about 24%. So that shows me that there's actually a, a lesser burden that the rent is causing for a person in Pueblo than it is for Colorado Springs. If we just take, you know, completely the average, just to kind of, you know, show a general point here. Um, so that is, you know, good for people that are looking to, to cost save, I think. Um, yeah, just kind of wanted to highlight that. If it were any, you know, above 30, that's kind of where I start to get a little worried, um, 30%. So I, I, I'm looking at the comments here. We've got a couple people pinging us saying they'd be interested in the off-market duplex absolutely once we get that from carrie we will uh well first jenny will will check it out to uh <laughs> always run the numbers and then we'll pass along so if anyone has interest drop a comment into here or just shoot jenny an email afterwards and uh, her Leah could be uh, uh could help you out <laughs> um so then you know we kind of went into the numerical piece of pueblo but people also want to know what is actually happening in the city, like what does it have going for it? Um, so one thing that is kind of Colorado specific yet important is the water situation. So um, Pueblo City actually has an abundance of water. Um, like we mentioned, there's about 170,000 people that, that are there, but they have enough water for a population of half a million. Wow. So that's really So is that good. actually just like kudos the government for like proper planning yeah that so, is yeah because i wish more places did that it's a constraint everywhere else so oh, i yeah. think it's like wow like that's that's really good so you know if, if we start kind of i don't know running out of water elsewhere we don't need to get into all that i think pueblo has an advantage right there because everybody needs water so um, you, are you selling any like doomsday uh houses for people to go to for water runs out like when mad max happens <laughs> oh, yeah, we should we should yeah do that have like a you know bunker house or something um pueblo west though had um a bit of a water issue um just in the sense that they kind of froze taps to to reevaluate like what, new taps yeah mm -hmm, on on new builds um to to see like, hey, are we actually planning properly? So there's a big news um, article about that, I think like a year, year and a half ago. So um, if you're interested in that, check that out. Um, and then, yeah, so it makes it a great place for new builds in, in that sense. And then they're also working on some public policies that I think impact um, house investors. So, you know, at one time, 7% of all housing in Pueblo was vacant which is wild to me that there's that many vacant homes. Um, so the city actually created a vacant house registry and the police department started fining people that had run down vacant homes. Um, so that kind of incentivized those sellers like, hey, I either need to fix up this home or I need to sell it. So they were getting fined for mm -hmm. a vacant house? Yep. Yep. So I've actually seen a few, like if you go... Um, if you go to a property that's say it's been flipped or something, sometimes it'll have a vacant like sign on the window, like a warning, but it's like, yeah, you can just call them and be like, I'm taking action to, to sell it. But, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're serious about it. Um, so <laughs> that's, I've never, that's an interesting policy, but I guess, yeah. huh? Yeah. 
So I think it's good, you know, either either find them to take action one way or the other. You can either fix it up and, and put a put it as a rental, move back into it or get rid of it and sell it um, so that someone else can fix it up and someone can live in it. Um, so, yeah. So decreasing the number of vacant homes we think is going to boost the real estate market because, you know, it's a, more options for people to actually move into a nice fixed up home. Um, and then Pueblo is actively trying to get more businesses down there. So um, they, they've they done it so that uh, there's one you know m- municipal building that you can do a one-stop shop for all your new b- business registrations. Um, and then they're starting to try to shift it to online. So I think that's kind of, kind of neat too, um, to attract people there. So, I mean, I was one of these people years ago until we did the bus tour. Like, you know, sometimes people have a certain view of Pueblo. Like, hey, that's not a great market to invest in mm-hmm. or whatever it is or misconceptions about it. Yeah. Uh, what would you tell, what would you answer someone like me in addition to these points? Like overall, like Pueblo, it's a, probably a very, a market with, with a lot of misconceptions around it. I do. I, I really think so. And I, like I, I said, I think that just going there, like, you know, you might have a, a vision of it in your head, but actually just go there and like, you know, spend an afternoon down there. And I think that a lot of, I think most of it will be dispelled. Yeah. And then kind of along the same lines of the actual, you know, being able to register your business and whatnot, they actually have a Pueblo Economic Development Corporation that is renewed via sales tax. Um, and it actually helps to set up businesses and incentivizes them for staying in the area and hiring local. So I think that's really interesting. Um, and then they also offer tax incentives for buying certain properties. So you can actually go into the Pedco's website and look at, they have properties listed there and they're, they're generally commercial, um, you know, so it, only if you have a business would this make sense, but it's interesting um, that, you know, they're incentivizing, like say you have something that requires a warehouse or, you know, a car shop or something you can actually buy that building through the Pedco and they'll give you they'll give you an incentive for it. So Really? Yeah, so they're really trying to get people to, you know, have maintain their physical businesses. Obviously, mm-hmm. online businesses are different. I mean, I, I love it when yeah. places, you know, communities and areas they like, you know, invest to make it more attractive. They invest to retain mm-hmm. people, they invest to recruit talent like that's Yeah. That's a very good sign. Yeah, you, you I mean, you need it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely to get something up and running, I think. Um, and then they're also offering um, incentives to energy companies. I, I'm sure that uh, everyone's kind of heard about, you know, they're they're closing down the plants down there. So they're trying to offer, you know, that's those um, employees, that's their their skills, their trades. Why not have another energy type company come in and and, you know, employ them um, once once their plants get shut down? Um, and then kind of, as I mentioned, I think you'll be ple- very pleasantly surprised when you go down there. Um, downtown is really, really cool. It's really up and coming. Um, Water Tower Place is a great example. They, they revitalized this old building as um, now it's mixed use office retail food. Um, The homes hardware is, I actually think it was um, a Denver developer that, that did the homes hardware, but they actually put a food hall on the first floor and then they put affordable housing um, apartments on top. Hmm. So it's really neat. Um, and then, yeah, just check out Pedco um, to, to, you know, see more projects. Was this the group that you did the podcast with like a year or two yes. ago? Yeah, they were okay. the, uh, they weren't the Pedco. They were, yeah, they had different names, Yeah, right? P- Pablo. 
like Pueblo economic. 17 or, or yes not. yeah um i feel bad i'm blanking on their name but they're a great group <laughs> yeah i mean it, it was also, a great podcast because yeah. i just i realized if you guys want that like ping us or i think it's probably about a year or two ago but yeah. it was like that was one of the things where i was like wow it like it changed my perception of Pueblo. yeah like they're really actively um helping their city um so i i love it so before we move on to Springs, okay. if you guys have any questions on Pueblo, let us know. Uh, Joe just asked a question saying, will those layoffs, will those plant layoffs affect the rental market or affect the housing market? Mm, I don't know. I don't have enough information as to how many employees are actually affected in which time frames and, and whatnot and how how what their absorption into mm. new employment would be. I don't have enough info on that. But so. as far as everything you know, I mean, if you have $100,000 to invest, Publis is the first place you're looking towards. Yeah. Yeah. Because, mm -hmm. well, for me, since I'm a long-term yeah. rental investor. Well, I mean, if, you yeah. want, if you're going to be a long-term investor, you want to make sure, you know, yep. the market's either growing or shrinking. And it's yeah. hard to make build wealth when the market is shrinking <laughs> with jobs and growth yep, or jobs absolutely. and population. Yeah. Yeah. We... um also, another plug we'll have to put in the show notes is we um, recently recorded maybe a month or so ago a uh, group podcast with um, investors that have invested in Pueblo, um, our clients over the last year and a half, I would say, um, just kind of giving their, you know, pros and cons that they've experienced personally and just, you know, their experience as, as Pueblo investors and um, also property managers down there. So I think that would also kind of give everyone a good a good taste as to to how investing in Pueblo is. So good to move on to Colorado Springs. Yes. Okay. If you guys have any other questions as it comes up, just keep dropping them in there. Yeah. This is great. So thank you guys. Yeah. Um so I think Colorado Springs is um everyone pretty much knows if you're a local to Colorado, I would say. Um, you know, there's tons of military bases. We got Peterson, Shriver, Fort Carson, um, the US Air Force Academy. A lot of those places have very limited um on base housing. Um and this presents an opportunity to provide rental housing to military members because a lot of the times they don't want to buy necessarily like, you know, buying. Yeah, they're there for a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the government's paying for it. Yep. And they're usually new into the military. So they're mm. in the process of, you know, making their own savings and everything. Um, so, yeah, I think that that is, you know, one key piece right there. Um, which is funny because everyone always asks me, well, how many of your tenants are military and I, I'm like, only a few, actually. I think, you know, one or one to three at any given time out of my whole portfolio, I would say, out of 18 units. So it's not a huge number, I don't think. Um, well, plus, they just, I think a couple of weeks ago, they uh, announced that Space Force is staying there, yeah. which is, I mean, great for military, but just the 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 industrial complex that supports it is, I mean, that's yeah. going to be massive for, for jobs and, you know, high tech and high paying jobs. Yes. Like, especially government contractors. Like, yeah, that was, that was a pretty huge win for the city, I yeah. feel like. Um, and then over the past couple of years, a lot of commercial companies have started coming into Colorado Springs. Um, specifically, I would say in the tech tech industry. Um, and then also tourism. Uh, so we have a lot of natural um, attractions to the city itself. Pikes Peak, Garden of the Gods, parks, trails. Um, I have spoken to quite a few people. This is just anecdotally, but, you know, they they went to Colorado Springs on vacation and then decide they want to move there or, you know, um, something along those lines. So mm -hmm. have a second home there, you know. I've also noticed just like, you know, with a lot of the people we talked to from the website and the podcast, a lot of out-of-state people moving, mm -hmm. you know, for years is out-of-state to Denver. Mm -hmm. And the last, I don't know, 
two or three years. It's I've seen a lot more out of state now to Springs mm-hmm. and not Denver. Where it's been a very interesting shift in people's like interesting. It's been like for quality of life, the outdoors down there, and just price. You could know, be a price. You yeah. can buy more down there. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and then I just kind of wanted to highlight some very recent um, key wins for the city. You know, other than the Space Force, I think maybe when I was. Um, doing this. I don't even think Space Force was officially announced when I was creating this PowerPoint. So um, in 2022, the Colorado Springs Chamber closed on 10 projects that created 2,060 jobs and $750 million in capital investments for the region. Wow. Yeah. And then they also launched the Deal Closing Fund in 2022, which used $2.5 million of the fund to create 1,300 jobs and $122 million in payroll. And then this is a very interesting challenge. There's half a person to every one job opening. What is the unemployment rate down? That's got to be, I guess, below national average, though? Yes, it's very, very low. So um, I just thought that was kind of an interesting little tidbit that I read. Um, and I have the article um, there for anyone who wants to to go there and read the full article as to kind of what's going on. So if you guys in the comments, uh, Jules was posting a few links to some Pueblo resources and then Carrie uh, asked a question and for Colorado Springs, are are there investors who are higher spending? Uh, if you can clarify that question, Carrie, I don't quite understand that, but yeah, clarify, we'll answer that back in a minute. Yeah, so um, just some general real estate trends again. Um, you know, we're kind of just hovering, I would say, between last year and this year. As you can see, there's been huge growth over the past several years. Um, but, you know, uh, Q2 2023 versus 2022, we're at minus 3% year over year um, average home price for homes and then plus 3% for condos. So, I I mean, this yeah. is like, I mean, like, again, th- that's a, a pretty small, you know, change, especially mm-hmm. with a couple of years of double digit. But I, I, I've been amazed this last year that Pueblo has been a more stable and still growing market compared to Springs. That is yeah. not what I would have thunk. I think that is just the type of industry and the hype around it kind of lends itself to just being a steady eddy type of market as opposed to Colorado Springs. Like you said, there's like this huge like rush on it, um, you know, over COVID and especially during COVID when people could work remote, they wanted to, you know, live out here because why not? Um, Or they have to drive in Denver three times a month. Yeah, that's not bad. Anyone can do that, you know? So, so yeah, I think those kind of just kind of all lend itself to that. Most seem to be under 500. Have a listing at 890. That would be an amazing property to do a bit of work and house hack. It has two separate entrance living areas over 6,000 feet on top of Monument Hill. So I would say in terms of Envision clients, we don't get a lot of people doing that sort of um, sort of a deal. Whereas I have through Property Llama conversations, I have met a couple people that have luxury type properties um, it's one lady that um, lives in Black Forest and she has a luxury home that she does um, like meditation retreats on and everything. So, you know, that's not to say that it's not possible. It's just um, those of our clients that are looking to spend a bit more tend to just kind of go more traditional and just do multifamily. So that would that would be my my experience in that. Sorry, I screwed up your slides. There. Yeah, no worries. Um, and then these are just the income property trends that we've been seeing since, um, you know, the the 
the audience is, is investors. So they're probably curious for two or more units, but we're kind of seeing down there. Um, and then the average price per unit has gone up year over year, uh, you know, Q2 2023 versus 2022, 11%. So there's still growth. So multifamily has grown more than the houses down there. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's different, different clientele because we have, you know, a lot of homeowners that are possibly more impacted by the rate change, yeah. whereas investors are investors, I, I feel like. Um, I'm just surprised to see yeah. double-digit growth this last year. Yeah. That, like... yeah. They're definitely, like, observationally, they're definitely on for much longer. Uh, it takes, a like, back, you know, a year, a year and a half ago, you put a fourplex on, 800000 oh, it's gone in the weekend. You know, you can't even see it like until inspection time. So, um, you know, they're definitely on for much longer and people kind of have to actually, if you're a listing agent, work um, very hard to, you know, show it at its best. But um, yeah, very strong. And something interesting is that uh, two beds, average rent is now 1645. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Like, uh, you know, when I first started buying in 2016, 2017, two beds were... 1150 1200 at the most. So that's phenomenal growth in, in the rentals right there. And then, yeah, I just wanted to highlight that we we kind of discussed the average rent rates, um, city wage data and population with the with the Pueblo. So we don't have to kind of dig back into that. And before we get the deals on here, for those live on the webinar, uh, Jules shared the handout a few minutes ago. You can download the PDF for the slide deck with a lot of the data. If you're listening to the recording, uh, the show notes should have a link on there. And if you want more trends data as well, we've got a lot more. We are just kind of providing you like the, the executive summary on data. Mm-hmm. And plus, you can download these three deals that James going to walk us through as well. Yeah. So the first deal, I this is probably one of my favorite properties all year, maybe. I don't know. I always say that and then one trumps it. But um, so this is probably one of my favorite properties. Um, I would say, I wouldn't even say, sorry, Leah, but I wouldn't even say that Leah found it on the MLS because the buyer actually texted her about it like one minute after it was posted. <laughs> texted her like, you know, two minutes after it was posted. Hey, I want this property. Um, so, you know, he was very, uh, very good about monitoring it. I loved it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can't even give her credit for, <laughs> for that one. <laughs> um, so yeah, on the MLS. And it was located just outside uh, the Mesa Junction neighborhood, um, which is just a gorgeous neighborhood. It has like you know, very Victorian homes. Um, but it, this one was built in the 1990s. So oh, it's a I, pretty new one. I love the juxtaposition with this, meaning that that one has probably, hopefully, less maintenance than some, you know, historical home, but it's nestled in between, you know, you kind of get the best of both worlds. Like you have that lovely neighborhood feel, but you hopefully have a better maintained home. <laughs> oh, no, that's great. I mean, I'm, I'm not a yeah. huge fan of buying 100-year homes myself. Yeah. And part of that, too, is I, I'm a hands-off investor. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, something that's, I mean, you know, 1990s, that's, gosh, still 30 years old. But I mean, that's still relatively new for real estate. I hope that it's not considered old. So, <laughs> um, so you know, the client is getting, you know, three sources of income on this property, actually. So they have, um, they have a, it's a duplex, so two units. And then they also have a detached garage. So that is pretty cool, I think. Um, so this is, one of the best performing long-term rentals. Um, it had, it was a multiple offer situation. Uh, definitely listen to our podcast where we go into detail on this. So you can kind of 
hear more about how, how Leah was able to get it under contract and what, you know, negotiating points she used. But, um, you know, I think that this is just a perfect example of don't let the interest rates deter you um, because, you know, it's, a, it's still a great deal and he's doing phenomenal on it. So um, investor profile, first time investor, his, his strategy is to cash flow um, with the intent to accumulate properties over the next couple of years. Um, and then, you know, based on capital for himself to invest, he was interested in Pueblo because, you know, we had it, I think he spoke to Denver first and didn't quite match what he was looking for. Then, you know, he spoke to us and Colorado Springs, not quite Pueblo fit the box for him. So, you know, he, he, he went to Pueblo um, actively. Um, so basically, you know, had it matched all of his things for capital outlay, cash flow opportunity, and lower price point. Um, and then he actually ended up partnering on this deal because he shopped it around and hey, guess what? Everyone else saw that it was a good deal. So someone else um, joined in and and was the capital partner on this. So now he has more capital left over to, he's shopping, shopping now, I believe. Um, and he didn't want to self-manage, so he hired a property manager. So um, kind of go over this real quick. This is the general uh, location that it's located. As you can see, there's some great attributes to it. It's near the, um, the Arkansas Riverwalk, near Public Community College. So, I mean, it's, it's nestled in a pretty great area. Um, Mesa Junction, um, three bed, one bath unit, and then a two bath, one bath unit. And they each have an attached garage space. And then also the detached one that I mentioned earlier. Um, and then the list price was $250. Uh, they needed $20,000 to, um, you know, initially to replace the deck and the stairs because it was a, a safety hazard. Um, no concessions. And then they ended up uh, buying it for two fifty five. dollars So why we like this deal is, is 8.2% cap rate on a long-term rental. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you still see those numbers. Well, I mean... You see those numbers rarely now, I should say. Yeah, and and you know, for two hundred fifty-five thousand, that's not out of reach for most no. people. Um, so, cash on cash return um, is estimated at seven point six percent with PMs in place. It's a newer build, so let's hope that means less capex. Um, and then it's near the Riverwalk area, which, if we, I don't want to speculate, but if we had to make you know a, a general assumption, I would imagine that that would cause better appreciation than than most other areas. So. Um, so that's that one in a nutshell. Uh, I, I really like this property. Um, so just kind of going into some of the more detail, we won't, we won't spend too much time on this, but you know, he's out of pocket 93,000 for this, for this property He's expected to cash flow just shy of 600, uh, factoring in his, his contingencies, um, for this. So yeah, pretty good. I would say. So here, I mean, these are all just some screenshots from Property Llama. I wanted to kind of give you guys just some quick visualizations on here. But here you see, you know, a, a cap rate north of 8% and a cash on, ca cash on cash at about 8% as well. Do you recall what the interest rate was on here approximately? It was, I think it was 7.5%. Okay. So I mean, um, it was, so it was a recent very, higher rate. One. Yeah. Very down the middle of what we're seeing for yeah. investors. So. So we're showing you deals that are happening today, not three years ago when yeah. rates were three and a half percent. Just yeah. want to point it out that hey, we're we're investing today. So Carrie has a question saying, would you talk a bit about how they partnered up to buy the property? Yeah. So I actually don't know the specifics of how they did it. Um, I think they used a conventional mortgage. So 
I'm not really sure how they structured it. Um, if they, I think they were both just listed on title and, and on the note. Um, so I think it, I think it was just a 50, 50 was my basic understanding, but, um, I believe they met each other through a real estate meetup. Um, I have been hearing a couple of our clients that have met each other through meetups, just, you know, <clears throat> doing what everyone on you know, bigger pockets has to do. I'm looking for this. Go network. Yeah. Tell, tell people what it is that you want. And I think that's what he did. Right. Go network and tell people what you want to do. Oh, thanks, Leah. Conventional friend in New York, 50, 50. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe that wasn't the the meetup then. I know he was shopping at meetups though, okay. but yeah. So 50, 50 conventional mortgage. Um, yeah, pretty straightforward. So if you have a friend that lives in New York or LA or somewhere expensive and they want to buy a rental property, you know, although he has a property manager locally, he's, he's still semi-local. He lives in Denver. So, you know, he can really check on it and see if, you know, things are going according to, to plan. The house is still standing and all that. Now, here's a question I know we get sometimes like, oh, hey, this sounds great. Can you guys help me find a partner? No. Uh, yeah, no, we don't do that. We'll help you find deals. Uh, we facilitate meetups and mm-hmm. happy hours, you know, to network and do all that stuff. Um, but, uh, as far as like connecting partnerships, that's just, there's a lot more yeah. human element to there and yeah. we don't want to be involved because, uh, partnerships are great until they're not great. Yes. Um, and we don't want to be yes. privy to any of that. So be privy or also get the, the finger pointed at <laughs> Yes, exactly. So this is deal number two. This is a room by room house hack in Colorado Springs. So this, um, couple there, uh, this is house hack number two for them. they they did it like one day after house hack number one, which I love. Very efficient. Um, so this, this is a couple that moved in front of state last yes, year, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's a single family home located in the Cimarron Hills neighborhood. It's a three bed, three bath. And their plan is to add two bedrooms to it. So um, this couple is, is great about seeing like potential in a property, which I always love. Um, and then uh, so currently it's a room by room rental property. And so, you know, they're they're new investors. They are new to having a job. I absolutely love their strategy. I think this is fantastic. They are using, you know, what the, what the market, what the the city is giving them and they're squeezing every last penny out of it and doing a fantastic job. And they've become very, very proficient in the management of a room by room rental, um, which is not easy. So I, I just love what they're doing. They got a pretty high interest rate um, for, uh, for owner occupied. I don't know if it's listed in here, but I think it was like 6.75. Um, so, you know, that didn't deter them. They did put a low down payment, I think 5%. Um, and it's a future cash flow property after they move out. So, you know, again, it, they're, they're taking what, what is, what they're being given and figuring out a way to make it work instead of just saying, Oh, I can't make it work. It doesn't work. Um, and for the room by room stuff, a lot of people want to look for value add or burr properties. And, and there, there's definitely some out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're looking for those types of properties, put room by room on your radar as well. Yeah. I mean, this strategy we've seen in the last couple of years, I mean, in, in uh, up north and Denver and Springs and Pueblo, it is a very great strategy. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't talk about. Yeah. But it's up there with like the value add, the burrs to go in there and just, hey, do some work and increase the value and a lot of times increase the cash flow. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um you know, back when burrs were more prevalent, uh, at least in Colorado Springs, when I was doing them, you know, five, six years ago, when burrs were prevalent, I had to put in a lot of effort to make a burr work, whether it be, you know, 
actually doing work on the property, which wasn't a good idea, managing people doing work on the property, figuring out all the financing pieces. Were you doing construction? Yeah, it was a lot of work. And you're juggling two or three financing components. Yeah. So it's like, you know, that is a ton of effort. Room by room probably is an equivalent effort, just in a different form is kind of how I see it. And that's kind of what works today. Um, So, you know, you might find a five bedroom home and you might not have to do anything to outfit it, but the management piece is, you know, going to be just more spread out than opposed to like over a three month cram session that I was doing with the burrs. So just kind of wanted, you know, people that want burrs is like, that's, you know, great. Um, They're just not as prevalent right now. They might not be you know, my uh, favorite strategy at the moment, just due to all the, you know, things that are in flux. Um, but if you are willing to put in the effort, why don't you consider doing a room by room and, and just focusing your effort on managing it? So um, that's just my two cents on that. Uh, so this is, again, his second house hack. I mentioned that. Um, and then he plans to keep house hacking every year until it's no longer enjoyable. Um, and he's also, he just closed last week on a non-house hack room by room rental with a partner within the Envision ecosystem. So again, we didn't put them together. They found each other. Cool. Um, so yeah, I think his goal is to beat Jeff's record of house hacking. So. Uh, Jeff is under contract and I think number eight right now. Okay. Right. You I, hear that? Might be or not. <laughs> I don't know. He just went under contract a week or two ago. Uh, yeah. And, and so oh. Leah says those two, they're the ones that met at the meetup. Okay. And what what this uh, couple is doing, if I had a time machine to go back, uh, oh, yeah. or if I was, you know, 22 in yeah. this market, uh, what this couple is doing of house hacking and the room by room stuff, oh, that is that is what I'd be doing now. They're just so impressive. These, yeah, these yeah. guys are crushing it. Yeah, I love it. A uh, um, couple of questions yeah. on here. Actually, two people asking about, does the house hacking book go into the room by room strategy? Uh, it talks about from a high level. Um, but what we actually published about a year ago, if you go to denverinvestmentrealestate.com, we can probably drop a link into there as well. Uh, we have a course on the website, a step-by-step course for actually how to do a room-by-room rental and self-manage. And it's actually done by Jeff White, who's on a lot of it. He kind of goes all through his checklist. Uh, we have a lease we use as well with an addendum. You can, da- you know, that's all part, part of the course. So the book goes in the high level of it, but if you really want the detailed strategy, uh, go to the website. It's usually like 50 bucks, hundred dollars. Um, so I would recommend go grab that course for like the details of it. Um, it is uh, amazing. And, uh, it's here in Colorado, just a Denver based room by room house hacker, but it's a lot of similarities Very up similar. and down the front range. Yeah. There's just. You know, nuances and municipality rules, like stuff like that. But yeah, generally speaking, it's a very management heavy um, strategy. So yeah, master that piece of it. So just, you know, general location, I mentioned it was in in Cimarron. Um, It's a three bed, three bath and going to add two bedrooms to it. List price was 435. They needed 15,000 to outfit it to the way that they needed to. They were able to negotiate a $12,000 concession. And they ended up closing at four hundred thirty thousand dollars on it with the with the twelve thousand, but adding back fifteen for for improvements needed to get it up and running. So while they're living there, they're only paying five hundred fifty dollars a month to live there, and their cheapest room is renting at seven hundred and fifty, which is that's the cheapest room. That's the cheapest room. So they could they couldn't even Denver numbers there. Yeah, they wouldn't even be you know paying market rate for their, for their, their place. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much, um, 
standard there is 750 for for most parts of the city, which I think is interesting. That's um, higher than I thought it would be. Yeah, so they're actually going to rent out the master at 900. So um, estimated to be an eight cap at move out. Um, and with 1600 in, in yearly cash flow with 5% down and almost 7% interest rate. So they're not even subsidizing their cash flow with higher percent down. So I just kind of want to let people simmer on that for a moment, just because that is really, really good. They have a lot of things working, actively working against them and they're still cash flowing. Um, and this property is eligible for STR license as non-owner occupied. So they have optionality nice on top. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Right. So just kind of, again, going through the the details on it, this is after move out. Um, again, four bedrooms at 750 with one at 900. And then, you know, um, owner pays for all utilities and whatnot. So they're going to hopefully cash flow about $140 a month on that um, after they move out. And they're all in for 43000 So that's pretty good. And then, yeah, so again, it's about an 8% cap rate. Um yeah, I mean, what and, else is there to say? Yeah, about I want to point out here that it's a little hard to see, but we we added a couple screenshots from Property Llama on here. So on that very left one, we have an annual return breakdown <laughs> that shows the four ways to make money: the appreciation, debt pay down, cash flow, and depreciation. And we put that over the you said forty some thousand dollars for all in cost. Mm -hmm. uh, in year one, they should make about ninety nine percent on their return on investment. And that is the power of house acumen flow down payment and also the power of doing some creative strategies like room by room rentals. Yeah. So just want to highlight that on there. Of course, download the spreadsheet, uh, dig into the or download this deck and dig the numbers more. And of course, always do your due diligence. Uh, but you can just see like some phenomenal returns, especially from percent return rise. Like, oh wow. Yeah. Just amazing. Yeah. So this one is a very recent deal. Um it's a duplex in Pueblo West, and I'm excited to talk about it because it's a DSCR loan. What is a DSCR loan, Jenny? Debt service coverage ratio loan. Say that five times fast. <laughs> um, so basically what this is, is the lender is going to lend based off of the asset, not the person. So this kind of allows for some of those partnership structures um, within a business entity. Some someone who uh, might not necessarily be lendable as a person, um, like investors, or yeah, real estate agents, or self-employed. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that this is a very good option for people that don't quite fit in that conventional box. And it was kind of kind of like not spoken about a lot over the last couple of years because everyone wanted a conventional loan. Well, they didn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. It's like almost hard money rates for the DSCR loan. Now they're really comparable, which is just fascinating to me. Um, I'm reading your slide here. Investor use a high interest rate DSC on 8%. Yes. That's not that high anymore compared to 7.5 yeah. at 30-year conventional. <laughs> yep. So uh, I, this investor, they wanted to use a DSCR loan. Um, you know, I don't even know the reason. I think she just didn't even wa want to do all the rigmarole for a uh, conventional mortgage, you know, signing your life away and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, do the DSCR loan on that. And she's expected to cash flow over $200 a month with PM in place. Wow. Yeah. So, again, this is, a, you know, it's a three bed, two bath, very nicely updated. Um, I think it was built in the 2000s. Let me check, actually. Did I write it in here? No, I think it was built in the in the early 2000s. So pretty so new. Again, a new one. Um, so she owns several other rental properties. This is her first one in Pueblo. 
Um, she didn't want to self-manage. She hired a property manager. She plans to purchase an additional property this year. Um, so she's heavily leaning towards Pueblo because it's giving her what she wants. And then again, this one was um, found via networking um, within the Envision ecosystem. So just kind of wanted to highlight that. It never hit the MLS. Um, again, duplex side by side, townhome style, three bed, two bath with garages. Um, let's see, no, no purchase improvements needed, uh, no concessions, no list price since it was off market. Um, they ended up closing on it for $420,000 is a 6.8% cap rate on a long-term rental, $200 a month in cash flow anticipated. Um, and then she's just going to keep an eye. So clearly it works as is. Um, it's cash flowing as it stands. Um, and then she's going to work, uh, work to keep a, an eye to see if rates come down and refi it if, if that's an option. So, but if not, it's still fine. Um, oh, I was wrong. It's a 1994 build, which is still pretty, pretty new. Um, yeah. and then it's in Pueblo West, which also comes with a huge lot. So it's for, you know, people that want a little bit more space. Um, I think that this is a really good option. So again, she's expected to cash flow, you know, given given our contingencies that we've baked in. Um, what percent down they do? 30. Uh, 30%. 30%. So I, I'm amazed at this. A 30% down payment on a duplex at a DSCRE loan is cash flowing $200 plus a month. Mm -hmm. That is very surprising to me. Yeah. Because I just, you know just kind of reprogram my, you know, last couple of years of yeah. deals. It's like, yeah. you know, that's great. Yeah. And, and she didn't have to put any money to get it rent ready. So that's a plus too. Um, so it's turnkey. It's turnkey. Yep. So she just has to get tenants in it. Um, yeah. We, we were thinking 1700 a month in rent, but I think that's pretty conservative actually. I think, I think in reality she'll get more. Oh, so even a little rent bump on there as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, hope so. Yeah. So um, again, just kind of, you know, that holistic approach about 6.8 cap rate. Um, she's getting a 16% return on equity. Your rule of thumb is beat the stock market. That's um, my personal rule of thumb. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I can't beat the stock market or or beat what a CD is paying now, yep. I mean, why am I going to deal with the, the risk, the headache, the mm -hmm. liability of a rental property? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, a 16% plus overall return is pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean, I just think that this is just a great set it and mm. forget it. I love the fact that it is fairly new. Um, again, hopefully a little bit lower in CapEx on that $200 a month cash flow. So yeah, I think that's a, uh, you know, pretty, pretty standard. So again, yeah, reach out to us if you, yeah. if you want to kind of talk about some of these deals specifically or your own personal, um, you know, uh, your own personal goals and we can hopefully help out on that. Jenny, thank you so much for like putting the slide together, gathering data, gathering the deals, and also just, you know, being in the trenches down there and being a news reporter. Um, so this was awesome. Thank you. Anyone out there, I will totally echo what Jenny said. If you guys have any questions on the market, uh, yeah, please just schedule a call. You can go to the Denver Investment Real Estate website and click on there. Um, you can also email Jenny and Vision REA and she'll, .com and she'll get you hooked up there. Like I said, we love talking to people to uh, help them figure out their strategy. We love talking to people, help put deals together. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's the whole reason we do this is to connect uh, investors with deals and help people achieve their goals through real estate investing. And if you have questions in other markets, you know, Denver or Fort Collins or Greeley or in the market and want to know more, please reach out to us. We are up and down the whole front range. 
can't help you with out-of-state stuff, but if you're in Colorado, our goal here is to be like your one-stop shop with uh, the best resources and the best brokers to help you go out there and execute your strategy. So everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, we'll have a bunch of links in the show notes for you guys. And Jenny, again, uh, thanks to you and Leah for putting this together. Yeah, thanks, Chris. All right, everyone. We'll see you soon. Thank you.